0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are once again going to talk about Dr. Disrespect and the continuing silence around what exactly is happening between him and Twitch, and more specifically, an evolution of a story that we talked about in a video last month entitled Dr. Disrespect, and the secret of frivolous arbitration. Now on this thumbnail, you can probably see that we have got the image of the logo of Patreon. If you aren't familiar with that service, it's a way in which people can fund very small amounts of dollars on a subscription basis for long periods of time to support those that they want to support and the content that they create. You'll note, Hoglaw doesn't have a Patreon yet because, heck, we didn't know anybody would be interested in virtual legality when we started this whole thing up. But suffice it to say, Patreon affords individuals the ability to have large amounts of people follow them, subscribe to them, pay them money. And what that means in the long term is that individuals have the ability to leverage large groups of people. And if the law allows for the leveraging of those large groups to create financial or other kind of liabilities for the companies at issue, like a Patreon, or as we will see, like a Twitch, then that could be a potential problem for them. And so in that video, we talked about a case in which Patreon wound up banning one of their content creators, I believe by the name of Owen Benjamin, and his followers, his subscribers wound up seeking arbitration against Patreon because Patreon, in their terms of service, demanded that if you were going to have a dispute with them, you would go and you would seek arbitration. You couldn't use a class action. And so they filed, I believe it was more than 100 individual arbitration claims against Patreon. And because of some things we'll look at in California law that we also looked at in that prior video— Patreon said, well, we can't do that. That'll cost us money, and we don't believe they have a case anyway. So they sought to get these arbitration claims enjoined. They sought at the federal court level to go and ask for the court to enjoin to prevent these people from actually seeking arbitration. And in this particular case, what was at issue was whether or not the court could step in and say, you know what, Patreon, you're right. You don't have to go through arbitration because of X, Y, or Z. In that video, I said Patreon was unlikely to succeed on blocking that particular issue because arbitration is a very sacrosanct kind of concept, both because of the way that the United States legal system is organized, but also because at the federal level, the federal government and Congress has essentially put forth in their own laws that we like arbitration and we don't want to see arbitration stopped or prohibited or prevented if we can avoid it. And so in this particular case, this was the denial of the injunction. Patreon lost this court said the following. So first we get the summary of what we were talking about. Patreon seeks a preliminary injunction to enjoin defendants from continuing to pursue improper claims against Patreon in JAMS arbitration. JAMS is just the organization that does particular arbitrations. There's a couple of those across the world and certainly in the United States. Pending this court's consideration and final adjudication of Patreon's complaint for declaratory judgment. So Patreon sued these people, said, hey, court, Throw all this out. And before you even get to that point, stop all this arbitration so that we don't have a bill. Defendants are individual claimants in 72 pending jams arbitration proceedings against Patreon. Patreon claims that those claims, not great writing, but what are you going to do, are barred by its terms of use because they involve non arbitrable claims. Arbitrable. Are non-arbitrable. Yeah, it's a fun word, huh? Patreon's request for a preliminary injunction is denied for several So basically what they wanted to go in and say was, we don't think this is something that can be arbitrated, non-arbitrable claims, and we want the court to choose that in front of the arbitrator because this won't cost us the same amount of money as the arbitrator actually having to go through the process to establish that it isn't something that can be arbitrated. So they start out with this. The court says first, Patreon fails to show that it will suffer any irreparable injury or interim harm if an injunction does not issue. This is a special action. I say Patreon loses because this is the most important kind of part of their case in this particular instance. They didn't lose all of the, what we would call the merits of the case. No court or arbitrator has judged whether or not these particular 72 individuals have a good claim against Patreon. But what this court has to look at when Patreon seeks an injunction, that's a special action, is that if the court doesn't do an injunction, that Patreon will be harmed in some way. You see this in instances where, let's say you have a non-compete provision, or you have a non-disparagement or a confidentiality breach, where if somebody has an NDA with you and they're breaching confidentiality, you can go to the court and say, yeah, I know we have to adjudicate this whole thing, and that can take nine months, but court, I'm getting harmed by the fact that this stuff has leaked right now, Please order them to take it down, and then we can figure out the legal ramifications in the future. And the court says, okay, yeah, if we don't do that and you wind up being right, then you will have been irreparably harmed in a fashion that isn't fair to you. So first, you have to show that you're going to be irreparably harmed. In this particular case, the court says Patreon doesn't show that. Jams has agreed to determine the threshold jurisdictional issues Patreon raises. The arbitrator will figure out whether they can arbitrate under the arbitration agreement. And will afford Patreon an opportunity to object to its jurisdiction in the course of the proceedings. If Patreon is correct, the defendant's claims are not arbitrable or are outside the scope of the party's agreements, then the arbitrators presumably will rule in its favor on those issues. Merely having to incur in expense, the arbitration cost, in order to participate in those proceedings is not a reparable harm. And that's one of those things that you see very often: that if it's just money and it's not a crippling amount of money, then that's not going to be something in which an injunction will proceed because it's not irreparable harm. What the court is most concerned with when they're talking about injunctions is things that can't be taken back and money can always change hands. Second, Patreon fails to show a reasonable likelihood of prevailing on its claims. Now, this gets a little mealy-mouthed, and this happens in all sorts of decisions. I don't mean to disparage the judge. This is a difficult thing to talk about, but I think a lot of people read this paragraph if they've already looked at this issue and they say, oh, does that mean that Patreon isn't going to ultimately win on the merits of its case? No, that's not what is being discussed right here. What is being discussed right here is if we didn't enjoin this, if we go down the road, is Patreon ultimately going to win on the question of whether or not this is something that can be arbitrated. And here the court says, no, we think they probably lose that, that this probably is something that can be arbitrated as a question. Even if Patreon were correct that defendants' claims are not arbitrable, those issues are for the arbitrator, not the court, to decide. Said another way, the jurisdictional question, which is what an issue here, is likely to be something that should be decided under the rule of law by the arbitrator under the Arbitration Act and the provisions of the contract itself. Or as the court says in quoting other cases, an arbitration provisions reference to or incorporation of arbitration rules that give the arbitrator the power or responsibility to decide issues of arbitrability may constitute clear and unmistakable evidence the parties intended the arbitrator to decide those issues. Said another way, the arbitration provision, the arbitration agreement, lives entirely outside the court process, and the arbitrator is the one that decides whether the agreement is even something that it covers under jams or whatever other rules that you have decided upon. Third, the court says California courts rarely grant the extraordinary relief that Patreon seeks here an injunction interfering with an ongoing contractual arbitration proceeding. Once a dispute is submitted to arbitration, again, quoting other cases here, the California Arbitration Act contemplates limited, if any, judicial involvement. Typically, those who enter into arbitration agreements expect that their dispute will be resolved without the necessity for any contact with the courts. That's the point, honestly. It is the job of the arbitrator, not the court, to resolve all questions needed to determine the controversy. And that quoted case is called Briggs. We will see that referenced again at the end of this particular court decision. But ultimately, the court goes and uses a lot of existing precedent to say that Patreon didn't do a good job. Their lawyers didn't do a good job of establishing why the court should step in here says, however, the cases Patreon cited for the first time at the hearing do not support its position either because no issue was actually raised or decided on appeal as to the propriety of such injunctive relief. They, they actually footnote this. This is a little bit of a slam. If you're ever reading court decisions or if you're in law school, one of the best pieces of advice I can give you is read the footnotes carefully. That's where the judges get their digs in. That's the equivalent of subtweeting or whatever else you might want to call it in the modern social media environment. That's where the judges really get in their little kind of subtext for what they're saying. So they say, hey, Patreon, your lawyers brought up a bunch of cases that didn't actually relate to this question, or they were easily distinguishable on their facts. And then they go through all of the precedent. They go through what was presumably all in Patreon's brief, and they say, this doesn't count, this doesn't count, this doesn't count. You see references here to a case where the court was actually denying injunction requests but then suggested in dicta, which is the name for this didn't have anything to do with our holding, that maybe we could have accepted this request if the facts were different and they try to use that as precedent. That's not going to fly for a court. And certainly here, the court says it doesn't fly for us. Going back to that Briggs case, they say that is closely analogous. That case that we quoted above, there the arbitrator stayed an uninsured motorist arbitration pending a determination of the insured's entitlement to workers' compensation benefits. The insured sought a petition for writ of mandate, which the trial court denied. The court of appeal affirmed on other grounds, holding that the trial court lacked the authority to review a discretionary prehearing order of an arbitrator. That's the important part. There was a lot of legalese there. You can skip all of that. But the important part is, is that the court of appeals in California went and said the trial court shouldn't have done that. They lacked the authority to review a prehearing order of an arbitrator. As that court explained, the trial court conducted what amounted to a de novo review of an arbitrator's interlocutory order. So we'll break that down a little bit. But what this court is saying is you're not allowed as the trial court to go and review as a new question what the arbitrator has decided because that's the purpose of arbitration. And this particular court equates that to what Patreon is seeking here. It says here, Patreon is effectively seeking similar relief immediate review of Jams's interlocutory orders submitting the contested issues to the arbitrators for decision. So Patreon is saying, look, Jams took these cases and said, we're going to apply them to all these arbitrators. The arbitrators are going to decide whether this is a question that can be arbitrated. And that's the normal way that this happens. Patreon says, whoa, 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 that's going to cost us a lot of money. We're going to sue to make sure that doesn't happen. And the court says, no, that's not how it works. Jams has already said, this is the process that we go through. The court doesn't have the capacity to actually step in here. And as they say, they lack the authority to review a discretionary pre-hearing order of an arbitrator. And that's what Patreon is, in fact, looking at. And Patreon wants them to instead grant the objections to arbitration, or issue a blanket stay of arbitration proceedings pending a ruling on Patreon's request for coordination of those arbitrations. Now, the interesting part about that, and we talked about that in the earlier video, is that Patreon wants to move these arbitrations all together at bare minimum because they're all making the same claim. But one of the issues that Patreon is actually facing is that they have, as part of their terms, a complete prohibition on class actions. And they actually go so far, and I'm sure they thought this was a good idea at the time, to not only prohibit class actions coming towards them, but to also say, hey, that's going to bind us as well, which it would, but it's unusual to actually see that in the terms of service themselves. And so the court says, nah, Patreon can't get out of what it otherwise agreed to. Nothing that they have offered to us suggests that an injunction should result from what they have asked for. And so they have to go forward with arbitration. And the reason that's a big deal, as we talked about in this prior video, is because California is a special place. California recently passed a bill that went live this year that basically said in a consumer arbitration like this one is, where it's a contract of adhesion, you're essentially just purchasing a product or service from Patreon. In a consumer arbitration in which the drafting party, Patreon, is required to pay certain fees and costs during an arbitration proceeding, this bill provides that if those fees or costs are not paid within 30 days after they are due, the drafting party is in breach of the agreement and all other sorts of bad things. If they breach it, then the bill authorizes the people to go and continue arbitration, to demand it, to move it up to court if they want to. And if they do go forward with arbitration, the bill would require the arbitrator to impose appropriate sanctions on the drafting party, Patreon, including monetary sanctions, issue sanctions, evidence sanctions, or terminating sanctions. If you don't pay your bills in California for arbitration, and we'll see that those can be large, then you are going to be in trouble. And worse than that for California-facing arbitrations. California is unique in the United States and in many other jurisdictions across the world to say the following with respect to arbitration. No private arbitration company shall administer an arbitration under any agreement requiring a consumer, again, that is an accurate description of what these folks are in respect of Patreon, who is a party to the arbitration. Pay the fees and costs incurred by an opposing party if the consumer does not prevail. You can't charge them extra for not winning. And note that there isn't specifically a reference to frivolousness here. One of the things that people came into my previous video and complained about from me was the fact that I said, well, this probably needs to be adjusted because as it stands right now, This allows for completely frivolous attack litigation, or more precisely, arbitration against a company you don't like. If you can wield 100 or 1,000 people against that company, and that's not really the way that the legal system is designed to work. Now, people say, well, maybe they have a good case, but presuming that they don't, And I think Patreon's ultimately going to win on the merits just based on the fact that they don't owe you an obligation to keep any specific individual available to you on their platform, not any more than any other social media outlet does to keep any other third party available on their platform, then you can still go and cause them significant damages. We're talking about tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars and perhaps more depending on how far the arbitrations get in this particular case. And you don't need to be right in California because they can't charge you. If you look at what Patreon actually did here, you see that Patreon said it has to be resolved in arbitration. You waive any class action. We are also waiving those rights. It's going to be under JAMS rules, including minimum standards of procedural fairness, which is what says all costs must be borne by the company other than $250. And that in order to enforce this dispute resolution, maybe we can go to court, maybe we can't. This is all new language. They added a bunch of other language that says, hey, if we ban somebody, you can't come after us. They did this in the middle of this particular case. So that's one of the reasons why it came up on my radar and why so many people asked me about it. But at the end of the day, When you read this, when you look at California, when you look at everything that we just looked at, the main facts, the main things of interest, the reason this keeps coming up and that people that are fans of Dr. Disrespect keep asking me to talk about it is because Dr. Disrespect is a major individual that can wield a lot of people at an entity if he were so inclined to do so. He was recently banned in a fashion where neither Twitch nor he are really talking about the specifics, and they're wondering whether this particular action relates to his circumstance. Now that we have another court decision, and this isn't the first one, I believe the first one was DoorDash or Grubhub or one of those, in which the judge came to a similar conclusion that said, Hey, you asked for individual arbitration, here's what you've got. And California says you can't charge them for losses. And if you don't pay, you could get into serious financial jeopardy. Then you wind up where, if you've got these specific components in your terms and conditions, if you're governed by California law, if you mandate arbitration and if you prohibit class action, then you find yourself in what we'll call the Patreon difficulty bucket. And we will go and we'll take a look at a couple of these terms of service. But what you are looking for, if you're looking at this on your own, is if you're wondering if this kind of action could be something that could be pursued for something that happens on a platform of your choice, these are the three components that you are looking for. So just as an example, we go, we look at the Twitter terms of service. You see here, the laws of the state of California will govern these terms. All right, so we've got California governing law. But what you don't see here is you don't see a mandate for arbitration. You don't see a prohibition on class actions. Instead, what you see is actually a reference to only having court cases. All disputes related to these terms of service will be brought solely in the federal or state courts located in California. So Twitter doesn't have this same issue. So you can't get into a similar circumstance with Twitter. Maybe you think YouTube might have this particular issue. This is one that I referenced as I thought might be applicable to YouTube in that prior video. As it turns out, it's not. They have the same kind of language as Twitter. It will be covered by California law. They meet that first criterion, but they will only have disputes litigated exclusively in federal or state courts. They don't have an arbitration concept. Very similar with Facebook. For any claim, cause, or action or dispute you have against us that arises out of or relates to these terms, you agree that it will be resolved exclusively in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California or a state court located in San Mateo County. Yes, California law governs. Yes, that's the issue but we don't actually get into this arbitration question so you don't find yourself in the Patreon difficulty bucket. But maybe you're wondering, Rick, okay, we're gonna get to Twitch and we're gonna get to Dr. Disrespect at the end of this video, but maybe there are other instances where companies could have a problem. Maybe there are other terms of services at Hoag and or in virtual legality that you have looked at that could have a similar issue to this one. I say, that's an excellent question, random listener who I've given a voice to. On the Ubisoft terms of service, which is one of those that so many people have asked me about, Let's take a look at how they handle disputes. They say their goal is to provide you with a neutral and cost-effective means of resolving a dispute quickly. They have a bunch of language that basically finishes out by saying, you have to go through arbitration. So we have a mandatory arbitration concept here. Okay, that's step one. Then we go and we look further. Claims must be brought in the party's individual capacity, not as a plaintiff or class member, in any purported class or representative proceeding. Ah, they have mandatory arbitration and they prohibited class actions okay now what's that governing law under these terms of service well 11.2 says the formation construction and interpretation of these terms shall in all respects be governed by and construed in accordance with the laws of the united states and the state of california so when we're looking at the ubisoft terms of service and i am sure they are not the only company this was just the example that was brought to mind since this is one that i have talked about in this space at length prior to this video then Ubisoft finds itself in the Patreon difficulty bucket. And so if Ubisoft steals something, potentially infringes on intellectual property, or potentially has no specific legal exposure at all, they could still have all the fans of The Division 2 or all the fans of Rainbow Six Siege decide that they are going to individually arbitrate an action against them. And because of the way California law works, because of everything that we have seen be enforced against places like Patreon and various of the other kind of gig economy companies, then Ubisoft has the same kind of issue and has the same kind of exposure to what amounts to frivolous arbitration. Now, you do see here that they say, we will only pay all costs for non-frivolous claims. We will not seek reimbursement of attorney's fees in connection with such arbitration unless your claim is frivolous. But California makes no distinction about those things. An arbitrator like Jams is not even allowed to go and arbitrate a claim if you aren't specifically agreeing as a company, a contract of adhesion drafter, that you will pay for the entire cost of arbitration. So Ubisoft can say these things. A lot of people come into my comments and say, can you violate the law with terms of service? No, you can never go directly against the law, but there's a lot of gray area in the contracts that you enter into. And you see that Ubisoft may well have a problem, even though their lawyers have tried to defend them in at least small part. But at the end of the day, what people are really interested in that come into this channel, that come into my comments, is what exactly is happening at Twitch. As we've talked about, Dr. Disrespect has, I believe, 4 million followers. He has however many people that subscribe to his channel. He has clearly a large fan base that is even interested in talking about the legal ramifications of his particular situation on this YouTube channel. And so it is an absolute possibility that when you've got something like this, when you've got a set of terms of service that wind up talking about arbitration and class actions and governing law in California that you could find yourself in that Patreon difficulty bucket. So we go and we confirm that. We look at how Twitch operates. We go and we see. You and Twitch agree to arbitrate any dispute. That's mandatory arbitration. Check. Absolutely. We see that whether the dispute is heard in arbitration or in court, you and Twitch will not commence against the other a class action, class arbitration, or other representative action or proceeding. That is a prohibition on class action that is accompanied by that mandatory arbitration. And then if we go, and if we go and look, It says, any dispute between the parties will be governed by this agreement and the laws of the state of California. California governing law, mandatory arbitration, prohibition on class action, Twitch has got it all. Now, one of the things that you are very likely to see as a result of this Owen Benjamin case and Patreon moving forward and everything that we can see with the courts interpreting these arbitration contracts and provisions, I think correctly and certainly correctly for what the actual contract says But the interaction between California law presents this problem in and of itself, that some of these companies are going to change their terms of service. I think Twitch, undoubtedly, whether they see this video, whether they talk to inside or outside counsel, is in the process of reviewing this, evaluating it, and probably changing one or more concepts that are contained within this particular provision. If they are following any of this case at Patreon closely at all, and if they aren't, then their lawyers aren't getting paid, uh, aren't doing what they are getting paid for. So I do think that you will see changes in things like Twitch. You will probably see changes in things like the Ubisoft terms and any other place that you see this particular combination of elements. And Maybe if you've got a particular terms of service that you want to go and check out for yourself, you want to add it to the comments of this video and say, hey, Rick, I found one that has all three of these bullet points, then absolutely add it, reference it in the comments of this video. I just wasn't able to look at every single instance of when this might apply. But every time you have these particular bullets, you find yourself at risk of being in the Patreon difficulty bucket, and certainly Twitch, which has already acted on Dr. Disrespect under these terms, might find themselves in a very precarious position if Dr. Disrespect's fans decided to all turn on them at once. This has been Virtual Reality for today. I hope you enjoyed this video. I hope you found it enlightening and educational and fun. I certainly like talking about these things in this space. We just did a video yesterday talking about a Bloomberg article from Jason Schreier that I think kind of overemphasize some of the problems that Activision Blizzard, and particularly Blizzard Entertainment, is having with the salary procedures that they're finding there. Did that yesterday. I've also been talking a lot about how the console war is being marketed across Sony and Xbox, so if you're interested in any of those things, corporate messaging, business and law, through the prisms of pop culture that I think you're already checking out and already interested in. Please do like, subscribe, share, ring bells, tell people that we are here, put us on forum posts, everything else. I certainly appreciate it. I love engagement. YouTube loves engagement. If you can add comments, if you can help us out, I am certainly very appreciative of that entire process. Otherwise, if you caught us on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to us as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality.